there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, welcome to episode 46 of the 1% Better Podcast, and I hope you're doing well. I'm beginning to feel okay. Uh, I've had a couple of weeks where I felt like shit in some ways, nasally for sure, but I think I'm over it now and kind of excited about this episode and the ones that are coming over the next few weeks as we lead up to Christmas. So, a few things to get through before we get into the episode. Last week's show with Roberta O'Brien, Lieutenant Commander Roberta O'Brien, was very well received. Lots of really good, nice feedback, a few emails on it, went down very well and again thanks to Roberta for her time in recording it and it's one of those that will get good numbers over the next number of weeks I'm sure as more and more people find out about it so if you haven't checked it out I would say check it out. Next week's episode is going to be a big one um, and I think that because of the following the person that I am interviewing or have interviewed has in the Twitter world it's with Samantha Kelly, aka the tweeting goddess, and we talked about uh, over a month ago. What an interesting lady she has! So much going on. She's really made a career for herself as a social media strategist. I think is the term that we talked a little bit about. But uh, yeah, she's huge following in Ireland. She's just back from Cyprus, where she did a presentation around social media. I think she's going to San Diego next year. So that's really going to be a big one and I'm looking forward to releasing it so that'll be awesome speaking of Twitter in the last week or so got a couple more likes from famous people which is always cool Mark Hamill uh, Luke Skywalker liked another <laughs> another tweet uh, it was actually true talking to Samantha that we uh, we originally connected with, with Mark Hamill who actually follows uh, Samantha which is a big deal and um, Jocko Willink the podcast I've mentioned in the past uh, that he does Jocko podcast uh, he actually commented on a, a tweet that I put out around a poll talking about or asking a question around what's the perfect length of a podcast uh, duration wise and, and that, that was really interesting because I'm, I'm looking at next year and planning some variances or, or a different show as well as this one. And uh, the feedback I got from the poll certainly helped me solidify plans for what I, what I hope to do next year. All going well, time permitting and all of that. It's nice to be connecting with uh, these folks and, you know, maybe they're listening or somewhat getting aware of the show, which is all good. And one other thing, the last week or so, I double-checked and have added to the newsletter around um, a podcast app that you can listen to podcasts through. It's called Overcast. It is actually growing and growing in uh, popularity. iTunes getting a bit of a bad rap for the podcast app of late. More and more people moving over to Overcast. Happy to say the podcast is on Overcast as well. You can go to the website. I think it's Overcast FM or you can just download the app and listen to it. It's nice and simple, a straightforward app. So yeah, if you want to check it out there, there goes my watch pinging. Um, go for it. It's a, it's a good one to use. In the next couple of weeks as well as we wrap up the, the season, going to start talking about 2018 goals uh this year i did a 12 month challenge where i was trying to do a challenge every month for the 12 months did well for the first few months 
then kind of fell off the wagon a little bit and got back on it in a couple of uh, months and the, the last month or two haven't been that good um, but I guess some of the things I have been challenging myself around is writing more articles more pieces that uh, that I can put out there and I've uh, been doing more and more of that so that's that's really cool I'm happy with that but yeah going to be planning to do some more 12 month challenges for 2018 and a one big challenge for 2018 is to actually not drink alcohol for the whole 12 months starting the 1st of January and that's going to be an interesting one if anyone is considering doing something similar let me know okay so that's a good lot of uh, updates on to this week's episode it's with Shane Craddock. Shane has a lot of roles. He is a business coach, uh, somewhat life coach. He's done coaching for sports people. He's a consultant. He's a public speaker, a playwright. He's an author. And as he says, he's a self-professed messer. He likes to have fun. And he has a really interesting story to tell. You will hear that early on in his career, around the mid-20s, he realized he wasn't going in the right direction. Something wasn't right. And he has certainly had a, a point where he made a change and started to work towards a more fulfilling role or fulfilling job. And that also, in turn, helps others become more fulfilled and satisfied in their professional personal life in the broad ranging chat we touch on so many different things the importance to give yourself permission to dream is something that stands out for me when i listen to it back finding the time or making the time to have fun making the time to meditate is key approaches around setting goals and just so much more it's jam-packed with really good insights tips and wisdom that Shane shares. We also mentioned the book uh, Awareness, which is one that we talked about in a previous episode with uh, Michal Omahuna, and it's from Anthony DeMello. It's one I'm actually reading at the moment and highly recommend it. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, as I will uh, put links to Shane's website and how you can connect with him on the Twitter. He also has a book out now, an updated version of his book called Inspire Me, Life Wisdom to Pass On. So that's out. So check out his website, check out the book, I know he'd be really grateful for that. I will say, just on this one, for whatever reason, the sound quality, we did it over Skype, and for me, the sound quality wasn't as good as previous episodes, which is a bit of an annoying. I tried to to, to tweak it to make it as good as possible. I hope I'm not just raising the awareness to you that you'll be hearing that now, but it's absolutely fine. Hopefully, it doesn't take from your enjoyment of the episode, but just wanted to flag that. But again, it's the content that matters. And finally, just before you go, if you do like it, I'd love if you subscribed to the show on whatever app or platform you're listening to it on. That always helps increase the listenership, uh, the downloads. And if you leave a rating or a review, that also kind of boosts it. It will get into, hopefully, into the ears of others. And if one episode helps one person in some way or another, that always means a huge, great deal to me. So look, I leave it there. I hope you have a really great week. And I hope you really enjoy this episode with Shane Craddock. Thanks and good luck. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the 1% Better podcast. And in this one, I am delighted to introduce Shane Craddock. So Shane, I'm looking at a few things here, roles maybe that you play, a coach, a consultant, uh, public speaker and certainly an author, uh, very much prominent author at the moment with a new book out called Inspire Me and Life Wisdom to Pass On, which is great because uh, this podcast is all about passing on wisdom and 
sharing tips and uh, tricks. So I think it should play nicely into uh, into the theme. So welcome. Thanks very much. Um, so you forgot my other role, which is Messer. Oh, well, I probably I think that might come out during this interview. And I suppose it, it, it's an interesting way to start because, you know, certainly um, with my clients, <clears throat> you know, I would remind them that we have multiple roles. And so, you know, father, son, brother, business owner, executive, leader, parent, you know, um, they're they're never ending and they all require focus and attention uh, the challenge in life is to try and give them all proper attention but uh, and then also just maybe the role of just being yourself and oh. um, so i didn't expect to get into that straight away so um <laughs> well that's that's the beauty of trying to to mix it up a little bit but out of all of those maybe take the the parent and father out of it because that's probably the most important but in in the kind of in the business sense or in your professional sense is there any one of those roles you lean to most or enjoy most uh well actually just go back and something I, I don't see my parenting or father will actually to be the most important okay uh, i my most important role is to be true to myself and um so myself my role of myself is the most important and um that's my own personal view based on experience um and that's probably the one that i suppose uh is the most important and if I'm doing it right, which sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, I enjoy it. Uh, but in a work context, um, I mean, the, <clears throat> you know, people will use things like coach and things like that. To me, the, the coach isn't a person. Um, well, what I do with my clients, I guess I see them as a, and I'm their partner in success. That's how I see myself with them. And um, my job mostly with uh, entrepreneurs and CEOs or senior execs is is to become that independent champion beside them, and we might use multiple things in terms of methodologies such as coaching, mentoring, mm-hmm. facilitation, um, hugging, <laughs> in terms of in terms of support or counselling, um, and you know the different skill sets around um, perhaps in a business context where it's more strategic. Um, but I'm very lucky that. Most of the time, and certainly in my role as a partner and success to other people, that's that's my favorite way of describing, I guess, what I do. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, and it's it's you know it's a nice, unique, I suppose, response, and uh, it, it resonates with me. I, you know, I'm not going to go into my backstory too much, but it's certainly the area of coaching and and being authentic is is massively important. I guess it's what you what you have to do, right? So if if you're going to do it. Uh, being true to yourself well i'll start off with maybe getting a little bit back in time i know i'm from reading your bio you know there was a point in your mid-20s where where awareness and and be more self-aware came into it before we kind of dive into that when you were growing up is there was what was on your radar what was something that you were aspiring to be was there a a dream from your early childhood that you can recall that you'd like to have been apart from scoring the winning goal in the fa cup final for manchester united oh um should have, if you said Arsenal there, I would have been in concurrence with you. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm still I'm still waiting for the from the call from Jose Mourinho. But it, yeah. I mean, I've been told it's not coming. No, in terms in terms of um, a dream, I, at the time, no, I, I can't say I specifically did. I remember actually my mother asking me when I was around about sixteen, like, w- w- what do you want out of life? And I always remember I gave an answer that I never quite at the time understood. <laughs> But I just said, I just want to be happy. 
And I said it with quite, I said it very quickly. It was almost came out of me from somewhere else. Hmm. Um, there, was, there was things that I, that I wanted to do that I was interested in. I love sport. I loved working, uh, being around people. Um, I was somebody at the time, looking backwards, that people would naturally come to me to bounce things off. Mm-hmm. And also somebody that people would ask bizarrely about asking goals and that kind of stuff. This has gone back even to in my late teens. Yeah. Um, I was always big into drama. Um, my my mother is a very accomplished uh, director and actress um, who lives in Kilkenny and, and on an amateur level. So I, I do remember having very early memories, like I remember three or four, I've been in, in a theater in Kilkenny and watching... Um, watching my mother with her friends rehearse and practice. I remember reading lines with her when I was maybe five. Um, and I think that definitely has impacted on probably my enjoyment. I, I, I still partake in a little bit of amateur dramatics here uh, where I live in Wicklow. And I particularly enjoy public speaking. Um, and I do a lot of that. And I think the roots of that for sure were back in that, you know, with my mother in terms of practicing lines or watching her rehearse. That definitely had a big impact. Um, well, I've got to be honest, I remember sitting down with a, with a career coach or career counsellor in school and in my inside not having a clue what I wanted to do. And they just said, well, you're good at maths and you seem to be reasonably good at physics. So I think you should do engineering. Um, and then that was kind of the way it went. And then that kind of also backed up, I guess, the way that my dad, uh, uh, and he wasn't wrong, but it just, he just said, look, you know, do an engineering degree. Um do an engineering degree, ideally chemical engineering, get a job with the multinational, travel the world with them, and get them to pay for an MBA. And that kind of became my mantra. Okay. But it wasn't thought out. And mm. uh, to be fair to my dad, he could have given me much worse goals. They were solid goals within the system. But they weren't based on coming out with me in terms of what I really, really wanted. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really have a clue. Mm. It's interesting... So with your mum's acting background and, you know, involved in, in drama, for me, that's kind of tapping into your creativity and it's very right brainy in a way, but, but maybe the career guidance and you, you seem to excel in maths and you had physics, so they maybe push you down towards the left side of your brain or the more structured part of it. And from reading your your bio and talking about structure, it came out, you, you know, you talk about creating a structure and, and things like that. So it was in those early years you were you were going more left side of your brain and maybe that was um an internal battle going on. Is that where things became a bit clearer into your into your twenties that it was more you maybe felt you should be the other side? Uh, there was probably uh, there was probably some little hints all right that I was definitely more creative. And like I really enjoyed the drama. I wasn't particularly good at writing. Uh, from from a school point of view, I was told I was a C level student, that was all I would ever be um in, in English. Um, but I I definitely had a kind of a more creative streak, but I didn't really realize that until my mid-20s, and that, and that only became apparent to me after I went through what I call the dark time, where I, I had, you know, a, a, a severe personal breakdown. And, um, and it was only then when I started to stop and ask myself relentless questions around, well, you know, um, what do I really like? What are my strengths? What do I want to do? What am I into? What do I feel that I'm good at? And kind of, I started to pull on that thread. What's my purpose? What's my legacy? When I die, what do I want to leave behind? Um, 
And that, that became, I suppose, I pulled in that string and out of that came a lot more clarity on, I guess, my own strengths. So, for example, one of the things that I discovered was, even though I've been told, even though I've been told I was a C-level student and I didn't particularly enjoy English, I found that I really enjoyed writing, but not in the way that they had told me was writing in school. I just decided I'm going to write in my own voice, conversational writing, conversational English. And then out of that came, as you mentioned earlier on, like the book Inspire Me, but also I wrote two plays. Um, one of them, um, uh, I recognized it with a, nas- a national award. Mm. And then the other one we put on a few years ago with a professional team. Um, and actually, ironically, I've always been fascinated because well, you're talking about the left brain, right brain. For me, I've always been fascinated with that. And I do remember, you just reminded me of it. I remember having a conversation with a senior executive in Pepsi where I worked. And this person said to me, he said, listen, you need to make a decision. I said, yeah, what's that? He said, uh, you need to decide if you're going to go left brain or if you're going to go right brain with your career. I said, um, all right, why? And he said, because, <clears throat> well, they said, left brain's going to work in here, right brain isn't. And I said, I, I looked him in the eye, very experienced person who had a um, significant impact on, on <laughs> what was going to happen next in my, in my career line there. And I said, I said, you're wrong. I said, you're wrong. I said, there's no reason why you can't be both. Hmm. And um, I've forgotten about that. I haven't recalled that for a while, uh, Rob. Uh, and actually, that's kind of really been part of my work then, is that I'm a firm believer in what you would call whole brain thinking, where hmm. I think the future the future of work, the future of the evolution of, of our species as humans is to kind of start to understand how to use our whole brain. And anyway, it's happening anyway. We've been forced to kind of go that direction anyway now because everything's been disrupted. Yeah. And the left, left brain linear thinking professions or thinking is just not working anymore. So maybe I, without realizing it, I got a slight head start. Um, and plus, I'm fascinated with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So thanks. You just remind me something that, that <laughs> I'm a nice memory. It's always good to, uh, when I talk to people doing this kind of podcast, that stuff just comes up. And you know yourself, you're coaching Sometimes when people just talk out loud a little bit, uh, something comes up. So that's that's cool. That's a win for the show. Um, and just 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 to step it back, right? So I would imagine again, just as you got up to the twenties and you were getting the struggle, a lot of people go go through that, be it earlier or later in their lives. Was there any telltale signs that you kind of noticed when you look back now to say that was wrong or that was something I should have maybe reacted to earlier? Oh wow. Um... Look, I think it was I think it was brewing over many years, mm-hmm. and I think ultimately the cause of it was um, really a lack of self esteem. Okay, and not really taking the time, no more than really anybody at that age anyway, mm. to work at understanding, as they say, as Socrates said, I think, know thyself, and. Um, you know, for me, it was kind of definitely building over time in terms of stress and anxiety, and there were the symptoms of it. And then it just kind of culminated on one day where I had gotten up on a specific day, about a week before my birthday in July, and um, my plan was was very specific not to be on the planet at the end of the day. And so, you know, my back, I had studied chemical engineering, so I was reasonably astute with chemicals and what to do with them and how to damage yourself. So that that, that part of the plan was quite easy. Um, and then just I was very lucky. There was an intervention where um, um, 
my father actually was was in the right place at the right time to kind of I suppose change the direction of my journey. So for that, I'm eternally grateful. And um, that, that out of that basically came uh, the opportunity to work with a counselor. Okay. And he was the first person who kind of said to me, look, he's the first person who said to me, look, you, you have a mind. Mm-hmm. And bizarre as it might seem, that was 1990, I think five. Um, I didn't know what he was talking about. I, I think I do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, it's much more topical, but that was the start of a change in direction. So, where mm. I went, okay, if I'm going to stay, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to change the game, and I want to make an impact. I want to do what I enjoy. I want to leave a mark, um, and that's going to require uh, digging in deep and probably making myself uncomfortable and asking hard questions and keep asking the questions, and then taking action. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I could not, never predicted, when I, before that day and before I kind of hit that point, mm. my future, my mind was very much on the corporate ladder. I would have had it mapped out. But apart from waking up to the insanity of what, of what I was about to do to myself, I also woke up to my life and I went, okay, well, let's look at that path again with fresh eyes. And I didn't like what I saw. Mm. So then I said, okay. And I still wasn't sure what I was going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I took, it took a bit of time, it took a few years actually, but then I, I managed to uh, get the courage to, or craziness, you might say, <laughs> to just to leave that world and jump out. Right. Um, and that's a longer story about what's happened since then. But yeah. effect, effectively, bizarrely, I get paid a lot of the time now to help people learn the lessons that I had to learn from yeah. that little period. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get it. Uh, I think, and again, just... Uh, I'm kind of sitting here reflecting nicely against your story, not not in a nice way, but I can completely understand. I think I might have been around the 30 mark and it, I didn't think it maybe hit as hard a time of what you explained, but it was around then I started to kind of wake up myself and figure out where I wanted to go or what I wanted to get involved. And I'm still going through that journey now, but, you know, with counselling and talking to people, I think I read my first in a self-help book around then as well and uh, that kind of helped me uh, wake up and, and look at things slightly differently as well you mentioned you know from 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 then on talking about self-awareness and um you you, you started to work with some really interesting leaders and teachers in that space was there any one or two that stuck out that have really influenced you over the last number of years that helped you on that journey uh, well, I kind of became a, an obsessive learner. So I think um, initially, I think probably the very first one at the time, who's, he's still going, he's still going um, good for him, which is Brian Tracy. I remember the time we were listening to the Psychology of Achievement audio back in probably 1996. Um, and then I probably went through the usual route of things like Tony Robbins and yeah. things like that, that you that's part of your initiation. Yeah. Uh, um I, I, I don't particularly follow those two guys anymore. Uh, I, did, I did a seminar back in 1999, which at the time was probably a little bit controversial, but it, it had a big impact on me. It was in a Dupo seminar with Tony Quinn, um, an Irish guy, and I, I even know, didn't know much about him. Um, and that, that was the first seminar that I felt I got a better understanding, actually, of not just my mental ability, but also, which I didn't expect, um, my spiritual side. And... Um, I'll be eternally grateful for that particular course because that, that, that definitely opened my eyes and 
much more than I had expected. Because I was very goal driven by that point. So the first lesson I learned coming out of my depression and a difficult time was that I learned the value of setting goals. Uh, those ones would stand out. And I think um, another one was we just as a random guy, just because it brought in a different side again, was a very simple book. But I, I've since listened to and watched a lot of his stuff. He's got called Anthony Zamello, who you probably know. I'm, I'm reading it at the moment. Awareness? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, so. yeah, it's a great book. That's a, that to me is kind of a top 10 book that should be in everybody's yeah. story, you know. It's just this beautiful, beautiful book. A really interesting guy. Um, and then, like, I, I would have, I would have, you know, Jack Canfield's Tony Bazan with the mind maps. Basically, Rob, I just became obsessed with a protecting myself for survival mm-hmm. because when you get into that sort of pain in yourself, you know, where you're literally thinking of killing yourself, you know, and then you come out of it and say, okay, look, for me, it was this game over. I need to kind of fix that problem. And so I just became obsessed. Almost too obsessed, to be honest with you, looking back. But I got really into personal development. And I didn't really care what other people said about stuff in terms of skepticism. All I cared about was, would it work? And would it help me? And so if you said to me, look, try this. Stand your head for 10 days and then eat an egg upside down. I go, grand, I'll do that. And I just test for myself. I would never really listen to what other people would say about it. And that did help. Now, it took me to funny situations, to be fair, as well. (laughs) And um, I probably can't tell them on the podcast, but, <laughs> but it is uh, an X-rated one, a, a, an uncut version, maybe. There's a little bit too out there version. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so they're probably the ones that come to mind straight okay. away. And I, I've been relentless. I, I just I, I'd find people who you know you would never have heard of in a way, but somebody might say, "Well, that person over there is brilliant at this particular type of thing," and I would just go and either I'd meet them and convince them to tell me some stuff over lunch or else I'd pay them. Um, but I've spent a lot of money on my personal development and I, I was working it out there a couple of months ago. Right. It's 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 definitely over 300 grand Ooh. over the last 20 years. It's But it's given me a fantastic return and that's why even I'd say to my clients now that like, you know, you know that phrase, look, it's not, it's not personal, it's just business. You know that phrase? Yep. When people are doing something nasty to you, they're going to go, look, it's not personal, it's just business. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, the future of business is very personal. Business is personal. And um, business success in the future is all about personal development. Mm-hmm. So the better you are as a person, um, you, will, you will be more successful in whatever you do. And especially these days in the kind of the connected economy um, where people buy from people, they buy from trust, that's going to become more important. So uh, I see a lot more men, which is great, um, taking more of an active interest in their personal development because I think that's an area that there's been a lot of skepticism around, but I, 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 it gets a return. Yeah. No, there, there's some, some good names and some good tips coming out there, Shane, definitely. NLP is an area that I, I know you've done study in and, and research in. It's one I'm, again, it's one of the first books I think I've read as I was on my own journey. Do you, is there any kind of, uh, I suppose, simple tips or techniques from NLP that you use in a practical way in, in your clients that maybe even listeners could uh, could benefit from? You might not like my answer. Uh, go for it. <laughs> we can always edit it out after anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I, 
I think NLP, while it was useful at the time when I when I did it years ago, um, I think it's just a drop in the ocean um, in terms of understanding your mind. Uh, what I've discovered is, you know, um, there are certain things that people do who are high performers or people who are good at getting results or perhaps even enjoying life. There are certain mental habits that NLP can point out. But what I find with a lot of people who get into NLP is that they stay too much in their head. And so the value that the future for me really is understanding about how uh, into the moment. So, you know, so, and just to clear your mind. So to me, it's much more impactful to actually learn how to clear your mind and to be more present um, than it is to actually get caught up with techniques. But just on a simple level, for me, you know, I, I tried lots of different things. Um, I meditate uh, every day, no matter what's going on. That to me is probably one of the most important things I do every day. In the morning when I get up, first thing that's the first thing that i will do um just to clear my mind set my mind any particular type do you do is it just vipassana or breathing or you know kind of similar i suppose but is there is there guided is it all of the above it's whatever i feel like so i mean i've, I've studied different types of meditation um at the moment this year one of my goals was i wanted to learn tm transcendental meditation yeah yeah i've been practicing that since March, it's been it's very very good. I think it's 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 very simple. It's easy to learn. Um, I like it a lot. Um, I've learned other meditative techniques over the year, but uh, I kind of I kind of listen to my own intuition, Rob, um, yeah. about what's relevant to me. So, for example, um, just telling the truth, this morning I would have done um, probably 15 minutes of TM. They recommend 20, but minimum 15. So I did 15 of that, and then I did a kind of a blend of I I will bring up memories from the past where of certain emotions, positive state emotions. Mm-hmm. I got, I'd have three memories this morning and then I'll just play in my mind the way I wanted my day to go today. Yeah. Now, some people might call that an NLP technique. I don't call that an NLP technique. That's, that's using your mind technique, you know? So to me, it's quite simple. So I think that the future for me, if I'm working with my clients, I, I will annoy them to the ends of the earth. If any of them are listening to this, they'll, they'll be nodding their heads and that kind of, yeah, he does, he does annoy us about this, is about their state of mind. That That's number one. And I think <clears throat> there are multiple things around that which are too long for, for here. But I think just to realize that your mind works best when it's clear and relaxed. That's number one. So what works for you? And, and to literally, so for some people, that could be just playing the guitar. It could be going for a walk. It could be having a chat with a friend over a drink. Or it could be meditation, whatever. Um, but once your mind is clear, um, your mind is this, your brain in particular is this unbelievable uh, asset that we just, most people just don't understand how to use. Mm-hmm. Like it's been evolved over a few million years and it's got unbelievable creative capacity, but it doesn't really, it doesn't work if you're stressed. It doesn't work if your mind's incredibly busy all the time. It'll work in the short term, but not in the long term. And so for me, when your mind is clear, then what you want to do is decide, well, what are the specific things that I want to create, personal and professional, and to start practicing using your imagination to see those done in the end result. So all the research, which you're probably familiar with some of it is, um, which show the people who are, for example, high achievers in certain areas, literally any field, they will have certain mental habits in common. One of them is the ability to see the end result as, and experience it, to experience it as if it's already done with high emotion. Mm-hmm. That's, that's about the future. But then also the past. So the past, present, future. On the past side, you know, 
to remind yourself of memories. I have a little book beside my bed that I call my great book. And I just record whenever great things happen, I write them down in that book. And they're just memories. And so then when the, when the tough days come, which they still will, um, one of my resources is I will just sit, sit myself down, I'll pick up that book, and I start on the first page, and I just start reading all the memories. And again, what I'm trying to do is change my state. Yeah. And remind, remind myself that, uh, oh no, you've been through tough times before, you have recovered, you've, you've achieved good goals, you can do it again, just stick with it. It's almost like a kind of a self-pep talk. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. No, I kind of do some sim- similar stuff. And, uh, you know, when you talk about change of state, I remember listening to, to good old Tony Robbins not so long ago as well. And they were asking him about when he's having a shitty day or a bad day, what does he do to actually get out of that? And he said, like, yeah, I, I have them all the time. And his his technique is change of state. 15 minutes of vigorous exercise, maybe for Tony, or just dump, jumping into some sort of cryo bath that he might have lying around. But it is to, to invoke a different physiological or mental response, I suppose. And uh, it definitely makes sense. I want to pick up on one thing there. So when I started this podcast, you know, it's all about trying to help people get a little bit better. I think I might have misused the term kind of a, a, a improvement hack or, or like a shortcut to get better. And I, I, as I've talked to people about, you know, nearly 50 guests and have learned a lot myself along the way, it's it's common that like there's no real shortcuts. You know, you have to have discipline. You have to put in the work and you have to kind of develop those sort of good habits. Would, would you agree with that or would you would you see is there any ones that could help very quickly to make people a little bit improve? Uh, well, I think the the best advice that I got in terms of calming my mind was from the counselor that I mentioned earlier on. His name is Morris. Okay. And I'm, eternally, I'm eternally grateful for having met Morris because uh, he made such a difference to me. But uh, he, he, he gave me this great advice, he said, and I passed it on since. He said, listen, the best exercise you can do for your mind is slow walking. He says, when you're stressed or depressed, um, most people will walk fast because their mind is busy. So what you want to do is just go for a walk for at least 40 minutes to an hour, maybe more. Um, but just walk slowly, deliberately slowly because the mind is connected to the body. And when you slow down your body, your mind will automatically slow down with no effort. The problem with a lot of techniques, Rob, in my experience, because I've tried most of them, um, uh, is that a lot of the time you can get caught up with effort. And a lot of people then you can kind of, they kind of feel, oh, I'm not doing it right, it's not really working, I'm not getting the results. And then they got caught up with this circle of effort. So for me, the most important thing is, is, is kind of effortless action in a way. But it's, what I mean by that is less effort mentally. So the walking one is one that I think it, that, that's, that's still my go-to. So I live in Ashford and Wicklow, I was telling you earlier on. Yeah. In Ashford and Wicklow, there's a beautiful... Um, garden, Mandusha Garden, some people listening might know it, and actually Avoca have a lovely restaurant there. But it's one of the, it's, it's won all these awards. So one of my favorite things to do, even in the winter, is just go up there and go for a walk. And, you know, I don't need to be worried about being present. I don't need to worry about any techniques. I just go up there and I'm just there. And my mind relaxes. And when your mind relaxes like that, you automatically feel better. And when you feel better, you automatically think better. Mm-hmm. But bizarrely, most of the world is set up to go in the opposite direction. Most people try to think their way to a better state or they try to think their way to clarity 
not realizing that um, they're actually causing more of a problem. So the whole thing is geared towards more effort, more effort, more effort. Mm. Um, I've done that. I've done that. I worked. I've worked, and I, you know, I've worked <laughs> with a lot of effort. But and it's not that I don't put in effort in terms of time. I do. But I, my most important thing to watch is mentally what's going on with Shane. What's he saying to himself? Um, and so I think when we mentioned Anthony DeMello, you know, awareness of the fact that even as you're listening to us talking here, somebody could become aware that the mind is incredibly busy or the inner voice is perhaps thinking about a project or some sort of problem. And so as I was saying to somebody recently, like the biggest problem that I find with my clients and when I first meet them anyway, is that they're consumed with problems, which is understandable because they're generally running, you know, good sized businesses. So there's, there's no end to the problems, but that's not good if you're trying to, uh, create certain results. Part of it is to understand is where is your attention going? What am I thinking about? Not that you don't address the problems, but the way you think about them or obsess about them could be actually holding you back from solving them, if that makes sense. So I jumped around there a little bit, but I think I answered your question, did I? Yeah, yeah, no, the, the, the jumping around is encouraged for sure, and uh, there's probably no perfect answer. Over the years that you've been coaching, uh, working with, uh, you, you've worked with entrepreneurs and C-level um executives have you seen one, one i'm interested in the challenges or the the stress levels or, or, or i suppose the the states that the that both might be in if they're an entrepreneur or a c-level in the corporate or in startup do you see patterns similarities between them or do you see do you see any differences or, or? so you mean between entrepreneurs and corporate ceos yeah just i suppose if, you, if you're normally working with Startups or entrepreneurs, um, and, and trying to coach those guys with with the and girls the challenges that they're face versus the challenges uh, that maybe C level executives have. Is there any 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 patterns that you would see across all of them that that emerge similarly, or or would they be anyway different? Uh, well, the the thing that they have in common would be um, the the best people, regardless of whether they're corporate or working for themselves or entrepreneurs. They have a couple of things in common. One is they all have very, very strong mindsets, um, and they all have disability where they they see goal and just they just go after it, and nothing. And they become one directional. Um, the other thing is they're hungry for success, all of them. And most people think they are hungry until they meet somebody who's really hungry. And I think the hunger for success is very hard to teach. You can activate it, but it, it does require the person to own it, and it's a little bit more challenging. Um, but if you have somebody who's really hungry for success, man, will they they will just outperform most people around them um, to a significant degree. And so the people that I work with one-to-one, uh, -one, the, the common thing that I look for um, to work with somebody is that one, is like how hungry are they? Because if they're really hungry um, just to kind of improve or get better or succeed – then they'll pretty much do whatever you suggest. Uh, because the worst thing is sitting with somebody who is going to start arguing with you and say, well, I don't think whatever this, that, and the other. Mm. And then outside of that, I suppose where they'd be different would be um, on the entrepreneurial side, they generally are, they've had their heads smacked against the wall a little bit more often um, because they've had to deal with something that the corporate exec doesn't really have to do, which is cash. Yeah. And there's nothing like um, looking at a bank account that's low 
or in the overdraft position or no money to really put an entrepreneur under the cosh mm. and force them to go to a different level. And I mean, I, that's why I like I like working with business owners because, um, especially after they've had a good level of experience, um, because they they have low BS tolerance and um, they're just once they trust you, they, they they'll give it a go. That's not to say that the corporate execs won't, but that bit of it, in terms of just, I suppose, the reality of having to manage your money or to the money of a business and knowing that the paycheck run depends on you, that's that's pretty stressful. And it's a lot of um, stress. And so I was only thinking the other day that the CEOs that I know that get paid a lot of money, uh, corporate and, and entrepreneurial, they generally are worth the money because... Uh, until you get into that position, you don't really know the level of stress that they can be under and what's, what they're responsible for. Um, I mean, there's other common things to do with focus and everything else, but they're, they're things you'd expect. Um, and, and perhaps maybe people skills, but that depends. No, that's a good, interesting answer. I was watching one of your videos last night on, on YouTube and I put links into everything in the, in the notes that uh, we talked about. The metaphor of the the story of the the rocks in the jar. I had heard it. I can't remember exactly where before, and it, probably no need to go through it on this one. But it, effectively, it's about identifying those five or six core values that are important to the individual. One of the things I'm interested in as well is is how you actually or approaches you might have used to to identify what those five rocks are, what those core value sets are. I've used, I've talked about a few on the show. I've used a few myself and coaching picked up them. But is there anyone that you typically like to share or use when you're working with a client to maybe figure out their their core values? Yeah, well, just just to be, just to kind of clarify that the rocks in the jar isn't as such isn't about the values. It's more about I suppose like it definitely your values will be reflected in what you pick. But the rocks in the jar is about I suppose what's most where are you going to put your time over the course of a year, for example, or even share yeah. this? Week? Yeah, because most people will let the you know the analogy. So people can watch it on my website, but the, the gravel in the sand get into the jar before the rocks. No, I think like for me, part of my job is if I'm working with somebody, um, let's say if you were the CEO, um, you know, I'd say, well, look, let's let's spend some time here to first of all. Um, help you craft a clear vision for what success means to you and what I would call meaningful success. Because in my experience, most people are busy creating meaningless success. Um, and that's kind of what I saw and I've seen a lot in the corporate world and also in some cases the entrepreneurial world is that a lot of business owners, some of you listen to this, you know, you can go off and set up a business or go off and start a career and think it's going to be great and then before you realize it, you create a prison for yourself. And that's why you hear the phrase, get to the top, you don't like the view. So that, that, that'll be number one. And then when they've crafted that out, then part of my job then is I then drill into, well, why is that important? And why is this important? And talk me through it. And then my job is just to watch for congruence to make sure that what they're saying actually stacks up. Because a lot of the time what you'll find, for example, is, well, you know, my family's really important. Oh, yeah, okay, good, good. But the vision you've got here means you're going to be traveling for 80% of the year. Yeah. How, how does that stack up? Oh, well, you know, I, I'm going to be earning the money for them, you know, to kind of get to a certain level so we can buy a bigger house. All right, but you're going to be traveling for the next five years. You're not going to see them that much. Yeah, yeah, but this, that, and the other. And if that's their choice, then that's fine. I just want them to be really clear that as to why they're doing it and not fool themselves. Yeah. Because in some, case, some cases, they'll say, that's fine, I'm going to do that because this, that, and the other, and that's fine. 
Um, most people haven't really thought out their vision for success and then they haven't thought about what's most important around getting towards that. And, and part of my job, and this is the fun bit, is where you say, well, okay, let's narrow it down to maybe three to five key areas and let's create a little plan around each one of those areas. And then as we go along, let's um, make sure you don't put any mental viruses in to stop you. Usually the biggest problem is that they're not thinking big enough. Right. Personal and professional. And then there might be these limitations, unconscious limitations that are there blocking them from really going after what they really want. Because that's something I learned back to when we talked about earlier on about, um, you know, that depressed time, but the gift coming out of it was asking myself all those questions. But what I realized was I actually had a vision for success, but it wasn't mine. It was a blend of what society had told me was success and also perhaps other people around me. And that was fine. They all probably had good intentions, but it wasn't mine. And so what I'm looking for with my clients is to help them kind of, A, say, when they create a vision, say, yeah, that means something to me now. So as we go along, um, we might adapt it based on life circumstances or business circumstances. And so we have an adaptable vision. So I, I firmly believe, Rob, from experience that people can – I think we're still only scratching the surface yeah. of, the, of the potential movement that is, is alive on, on the planet – but I think we're only scratching the surface. I've seen people just do unbelievable things. I, one guy, uh, Chris Levine, um, who had, had, a, he had a, a dream of, of getting some of his artwork on the cover of Time magazine. And literally, to just sheer focus, mental focus, and application of action, that happened. And there was no logical way at the time when, when, when the goal was set that you know, there wasn't a straight path to it. And so people turn their lives around from almost failing businesses to now thriving award-winning entrepreneurs or people who just went, you know, I just I was only in contact with a client there I haven't spoken to for a while recently. And she had the dream of, of leaving Ireland and going to Manhattan to, to get a, a, a proper senior job in the fashion world in Manhattan and, you know, but no way to do it, but set the vision. Let's go first. Gave herself the permission to, to dream. And now that's, that's where she lives and works. Yeah, that's powerful. I love hearing stories like that. And uh, and on that, um, the part that comes up for me is it, it's more around the spirituality piece as well. And and you know, I know that law of attraction and things like that. You you touched on spirituality earlier. Do you believe in in bigger forces at play almost when when this happens? So which sort of thing there? <laughs> the sort of thing of your fashion designer friend that sends sends out this really BHAG or beyond the BHAG goal vision but but the the stars align for it to happen what do you think were the factors at play there that makes that come true uh, well I was at I was at um, a program in MIT um, about uh, three years ago and the it was a week long residential program with a thought leader over there and the focus of the of the week long program was around uh, a new, exploring a new model for creativity, innovation, and leadership um, to try and move things out of the ego into more of an eco kind of environment and create perhaps a new model for uh, creating an organization that would positively benefit, benefit all stakeholders. And this guy spent about uh, 16 I think, years working with some of the top tech firms in the U.S. and other organizations of the world. It also taken a lot of his... Um, models into the field, tested them out, and had got some really good results around creativity, innovation, leadership. Um, very progressive. 
<clears throat> and because it's MIT, it's an academic institution, they kind of bamboozled us with lots of information, you know, in an academic way. Everybody's head was melted. And the last day we had a chance to ask questions. And I, I asked the guy, I said, look, if we just break this down to two or three things of your key findings from all of the work you've done over the last 15, 16 years, what's the most important thing I need to know? Because I said, I just don't want to read all the books. Um, I find as I get older, Rob, I, I get, I seem to be kind of more lazy. I, I still read a lot of books, but I, I like people to give me the, the shortcuts as well, even though you're asking me for the hacks. But I said, look, just, just give it to me straight. What's what you keep finding? So he, he actually, the way he answered was very impressive to me. He paused, he looked down, he closed his eyes, and he, he just didn't talk for two minutes. And um, then he opened his eyes and said, okay, he said, uh, two key things. One, he said, I'm absolutely convinced that the power of intention is real. I can't prove it scientifically yet. A lot of my colleagues would laugh me for even saying it, but I'm absolutely convinced that if you set an intention, now this is me talking now, to me an intention is having a vision and applying attention to that. So attention plus vision equals intention. So an outcome. So if you go after it, he said, it's just, it's real. The second thing that he said was, if you can get a small group of people to get around that person, and be stupid enough to believe that that together you can do it, you will do it faster. And he said, dramatically faster. What's the magic number? He said, he said, minimum three, and ideally maybe four to five. Um, and that blew my mind because he had articulated what I had probably seen and experienced, but I didn't phrase it like that. Okay. But what blew my mind was the fact that this researcher and academic was saying something that you could say is in rural territory. Yeah. And so that, that's, so, so to me, you know, I suppose on one level, the power of intention is absolutely to me is real. The challenge is to, to understand as human beings, how we work better so that we can become, I suppose, better creative mechanism because what happens is we've been, we've been conditioned to almost block ourselves and, sometimes do the opposite. Um, and then you're asking me on a spiritual level, I suppose, which is this, is, a, is, a, is connected but slightly different. To me, <clears throat> I, I consider myself to be very spiritual. Um, I'm not religious. Uh, you know, I, I do believe in a higher force. Um, I, I might call it something to myself, um, but everything in my experience tells me that there is a higher force. I've had a couple of experiences. One of them actually was on a, on a program that I did um, many years ago where I, I had this, what you would call um, perhaps altered state experience or um, an optimal experience where literally my mind completely shut off and I was, I was in the moment and I experienced life um, in a very different way. My mind was expanded, but it, my awareness was increased. Um, and it kind of told me, it just, it showed me that there's a different side to life out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not too sure if your listeners want to hear that, but for me, um, personally, I find great comfort in, in, um, knowing that there's kind of, um, what I would call maybe an invisible, an invisible means of support mm. that I can lean on and ask and ask for assistance. So to me, you might call that your intuition. Yeah. You might call it life energy, life force. Some people might call it God. Um, or whatever, but yeah, I I I have a very much um, a spiritual bent. I I like to read things in that area. 
Um, but most of all, I just most of all, I just love to be quiet in myself and just sit with me. Mm. Um, which to me is probably the most spiritual thing. But I actually think that what's happening at the moment is quite interesting. And um, so some of my clients would be, you know, international in terms of. So I, I live in Ireland. My clients would be Ireland, the UK, and US. But what I find interesting is that over the last 12 months in particular, whatever's going on, <laughs> you know, it could be like, there's lots of things going on in the world, but whatever's going on, um, for the first time, um, I'm having open conversations with CEOs of large co- co- companies that would be well known uh, about spirituality. Mm-hmm. Because what they're realizing is that it's not necessarily religion, but what they're realizing is people in their organizations want it. Yeah. They want it in a way that's more meaningful. And, um, uh, and because it's also linked to purpose and it's linked to meaning. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a large organization and I kind of try to bring mindfulness into that about 12 months ago. And, you know, there's a, a more of an openness to it for sure. And, and I think just everything in society, again, I listen to a lot of podcasts, one or two that are very much focused on waking up and just people becoming a bit more aware. And it's, uh, you know, it makes so much sense and, it's it's interesting i'm listening to you and i'm i'm looking at you obviously the 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 listeners won't be able to see that but you know you're very driven very motivated and very if if i wasn't if we if you weren't talking about meditation by doing that you would think you were talking about something much more focused and get it done sort of thing you know so there there's that drive so that, that there's that drive in you but it's about kind of stuff that actually is all about being present it's kind of a juxtaposition in a good way uh that uh, that comes out and i think Hopefully it's not scary, Shane. Um, no, no, no. I like it. It's good. It's good. And and it's interesting, though. But maybe it goes back to the point we talked about before. The left brain, the right brain, uh, that point in the center, the kind of whole brain and, and those things coming together. Because if there's woo-woo territory of somebody in MIT, it, it is almost, an, in essence, those two things kind of mixing together to be accepted, you know? So it's uh, it's fascinating stuff. 100%, yeah. Um, I'm kind yeah, of... I, I do, I do sorry, think... Go on. So I was going to say to you that I do think that um, in in my job, I am lucky in that I get to see behind. I joke with people. I say I get to see behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz. And what I mean by that is, you know, in the movie, you know, you see this dominant, confident figure who's the Wizard of Oz, and eventually they kind of get in behind the curtain and they can see he's just an old guy pulling these levers um, and scaring the people. And what I, so what I, what I mean by that well. I work with smart men and women who are, are on the face of it um, very successful and, and very competent. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, you know, they, they have similar challenges to everybody. Um, and also they, they have similar, I suppose, questions. One of the questions that's popping up all over the shop is around what you might call spirituality. Um, or just even say, let, let's dilute that a little bit and say purpose. Um, and there's a real lack of the real problem in business at the moment is that people are feeling a lack of purpose. And so if, if you're in a senior level in an organization, I think one of the things, and I mean, people know this already, is that you need to be looking at, okay, well, how do we bring more meaning and purpose to the people that work with us? Because otherwise what's going to happen is somebody else is going to do it and they're going to leave and they're going to go there. Um, or else they're going to go up and say, well, look, I'm not getting it from a big organization. I'm going to create my own business. And that's what's happening increasingly. You know, so the freelance economy is accelerating, I think, partly because of that. Um, but I do think there's an opportunity for companies if they get their act together to say, okay, look, 
you have to ask a different question here. Like, how, how do we create an organization where we not only make profit, but that the people in our business actually profit as well? Financially and also, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It might sound a little bit corny, but that's kind of what excites me about the potential. God, no, it's it's exactly what excites me about it as well. Just on that as well, you mentioned in, in one of your um, talks, I think, that you had experience with working with Elon Musk's business coach at one point. And, you know, he's probably a guy that is trying to, you know, make profit, but also do an awful lot of good. Anything jump out of that conversation that you took away that was a life lesson for you? Yeah, well, just for clarity, I didn't work with them. The poor guy sat down beside me at uh, I got a conference in Los Angeles a couple of years ago and, and this guy sat down beside me um, and uh, we, we just started talking and then the uh, person who was given the, this particular workshop said listen talk to the person beside you for the next little bit so we did he made the mistake of telling me okay. <laughs> that he did well you can claim and, it anyway so yeah, yeah so I basically stuck to the guy for the next two hours and just picked his brain and everything absolutely so uh, yeah, I, I don't I think Elon Musk is fascinating because I think he, he's definitely somebody who has, um, he seems to be quite unique. Um, I think he can be challenging to work around, I would imagine, because I think he's highly driven. And I know, listening to this guy, that he just said he, you know, he hardly sleeps at all. His brain is, is definitely um, active in ways that a lot of people isn't. He was telling me some stories about even how the guy works, which is just incredible. And the way he comes up with ideas, like literally, you know, he's got three companies, SpaceX, Tesla, and I think Solar City. And he's just, he told me one story where he's talking to him. And they're talking about, let's say, Tesla and some challenge in Tesla. And as he was talking to him, he was writing down something else beside him, beside. And then he just paused the conversation, picked up the phone, and rang some other guy, I think in, in SpaceX, and said, oh, yeah, the solution to the problem is this, this, this. And he was talking about some, he was talking about some polymer formula. <laughs> And he, he drawn out the change in the chemical structure and took a photograph, sent it to the guy, and then without missing a beat, got back to the guy about what he was talking about before he approached himself. So, um, but what the guy told me, what I was trying to find out was like, what do they do that's a little bit that's different to the people? And he said the one thing that they do do all the time is they try to disrupt their own thinking all the time. So, like you know, at least every quarter they will with the with the senior management team. Um, they will challenge all their existing assumptions. They will challenge all of their mindset. They will ask questions to disrupt the way that they're looking at things. And he's not a kind of guy that likes, apparently the answer is, well, we can't do that because we just can't. That just doesn't exist for him. Um, which I think is phenomenal. Um, I think it's very difficult to live that. I think it's very difficult to be around it, but it is definitely worth pushing into. And if you, if you look at what he's doing, I know there's two schools of thought around that kind of individual, but I find him fascinating because you can take lessons from someone like that, the things that you like, you can keep, and things you don't like, you don't have to take them. Uh, we're all different. You know, same thing with Steve Jobs. Um, I was fortunate enough over my career to be able to work with Apple for a few years, um, and that was fascinating. But again, a lot of people, certainly if you read his, the, the biography by Walter Isaacson, which is brilliant, um, you know, he was kind of a love more leading kind of guy, but you can take real inspiration from those kind of individuals and at least try some of the things yourself. So, for example, Steve Jobs was brilliant at saying no um, and saying, well, you know, and that's part of the story of the rocks and the jars that I might have, as I'll say to people is, look, do you want to move 20 things forward an inch or do you want to move two or three things forward a mile? So start cutting things out, saying no, um, 
you, you'll get a much bigger return. And, and certainly in today's digital age, the age of opportunity and distraction, that's a big challenge for people because they want to do everything. Yeah, definitely. There's only, there's only so many podcasts I can listen to, Rob, you know, in the week. So, and, and, and we want to try and keep this one into within the hour so you're actually able to listen to this one as well. So uh, I, I know we're coming up near that. Uh, just a few kind of wrap-up ones because this has been really fascinating, Shane, and maybe down the road we could get back together again because there's probably a lot of other stuff that I'd love to talk about. Um, sure. But maybe just about you from a productivity and, and how you approach your days. So what, what's a typical day look like for, for you if there's such a thing? It's not really, to be honest with you. Um, uh, yesterday, I had uh, I was in the office all day, and I was um, really catching up and stuff. I was preparing for some stuff that's coming up over the next three weeks. So I was, I was creating content. Um, today, I was running a workshop this morning for uh, a tech organization in Dublin. It was it's a module within leadership that I'm running. Uh, this afternoon was catch up on phone calls um, and one or two client conversations before I'm talking to you. Uh, tomorrow, I've got probably uh, a couple of client meetings in Dublin, Thursday and Friday. I've got a strategic session with the client offsite. And, you know, I've come from, uh, I was in Bratislava 10 days ago. I was running a workshop on how to use your mind in business and life um, more effectively for a leadership, global leadership team. So, like, that's one of the things I, I enjoy about what I do is that it is very varied. Um, I have conversations by video like we're having now. Um you know, I usually over in London uh, once a month for a few days. My my job is very varied. The best part of my job, though, is the people. Like I, I get to work with interesting people, and um, that by and large are really good people, and they want to make a difference. And that's what gives me a buzz. If I'm working with somebody who I know is not just all about themselves, um, then I, I get more excited, um, because I feel you're working with somebody who's actually going to make an impact, and that's what gets me going. So I, I feel like, I, in a way, I'm like a, an enabler of people who want to have a good life want to enjoy success and want to really make an impact before they leave the planet. So that might, again, that might sound corny, but that, that actually for me is kind of where I get my buzz. If I don't get that, I probably start to get a little bit bored. Sleep is an important question and an important thing. When, when do you manage to, to fit in that? Do you have a, a, a solid approach to sleep patterns that, that to make you most productive? Yeah, I, I'm not an Elon Musk. Um, I need my sleep. Shane can get cranky if he doesn't get to sleep. And if, uh, you know, in terms of managing your state, one of the elements is the physical. And you've got the mental, emotional, and spiritual, as I mentioned earlier on. On the physical side, sleep is a cornerstone. And, and it, you're mentioning it, it's good you're mentioning it, because what I find is that smart people know what they need to do to change, to improve it, but they just don't seem to do it. Um, partly, I think, because they're addicted to their mobile devices. Um, but for me, um, Actually, a personal trainer called Adam Kelly about three or four years ago put me onto it. He just said, listen, Shane, you need to be going to bed, um, ideally probably between 10, 10, 30, and then get up around six. Yeah. At the time, I was very much a late bird. I would stay up till probably 12 and then get up maybe seven. He said, if you do that, it'll change your energy. It didn't give me much science behind it now, and I've since explored that, so it makes sense now, but... So what I do now, pretty much religiously, most of the time, not all the time, but I, I go to bed during the week anyway, between 10 and half 10, and then get up for six and I meditate. Then my first hour is my personal time. Then from seven o'clock, it's, you know, we, we get started into life or started into the working world or whatever. So um, sleep to me, though, is, is a huge thing. It's massive. I don't know, you, maybe you're seeing it in work yourself or with your friends, but 
most people I speak to, I'd say 80%, um, they don't really manage their sleep properly and they don't seem to realize that half the time anyway, they're causing the problem. No, it's 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 eerily kind of uh, similar to what you said there about two or three years ago. I would have been staying up too late, wasting two hours at the end of the night on non-productive stuff. So I kind of got to bed earlier, got up at I get up at between half five and six as well, meditate, and then I try to get a bit of stuff done before I hit my day job type thing. Um, so yeah, that's uh, it's it's good to hear you're doing something similar. It gives me uh, some sort of validation there and. When you work, what is your work patterns? I read a book called Deep Work a couple of years ago. I don't know if you've heard of it. You kind of work in segments of long days or shorter segments of two to four hour blocks. When do you get your best stuff done or, or how do you actually go about doing that? In, in- yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of time blocking. And for me, I, I generally try to schedule the most important stuff in the first half of the day, which I think is, you know, I think you'd hear that quite common now. Um. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm creating something or writing something that's new, uh, what I'll often do is I'll often completely change my environment. I, I like to kind of go to some place. Like for me, I, I love going into a, a cafe that's really busy and noisy. And for some reason, it activates my creativity. I don't really, it's like white noise. I don't really, it doesn't affect me. And I find that that's great for really creative stuff. Uh, for kind of like productive get stuff done that's just get it done um, my office is kind of where I go just sit down and just away I go um, but just something occurred to me there as you were saying it kind of links to that as well is you know um, if, if, if people know me like I, I, I do like to have a bit of fun as well you know so <laughs> um, I I, uh, I think uh, you know I do block time for fun but that might be as simple as you know when we're finished here going home and having dinner with the kids and just having a bit of fun and that that's what's important to me. Um, and I deliberately will in a way organize things around that. Um, I love hiking. I love going to the gym. Um, but I suppose even as I'm talking it through here with you uh, this evening, you know, what I am aware of is that I do like a lot sometimes just doing nothing. And that, that's something that I did learn from that difficult time um, was just the value of doing nothing. And but being okay with yourself and being comfortable with yourself and doing nothing, and for me that that often tells me where I'm at because there's nothing more pleasing to me now than to kind of just sit by myself and just enjoy my own company. And you might be surprised how many people find that difficult to do. Company, they have to keep on moving, doing something. I, I am very active. I like getting things done. Um, you mentioned the book earlier on, but you know, inspire me. It's 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 not actually a new book. It's a relaunch. We kind of redesigned the whole thing. And I've written, as I say, a couple of plays. And I'm in the middle of writing a new book. And generally with that, what I learned is just write whenever I've got free time. So sometimes I don't wait for time to be perfect. It's just like, look, just write um, for 15 minutes whenever I get the spot. So that could be on the plane, the train. It could be anywhere. Um, but sorry, I just came up that I just I should mention about the fun. I, I, I do like to have fun. I like to, no more than anybody else. But what I find with a lot of clients is, we seem to be living in this age where you have to remind ourselves to have a bit of crack. If there's an American listening, I'm not talking about drugs. I'm talking about <laughs> Irish crack fun. And we kind of, I think we're at that point, which is a little bit tragic, where you have to kind of remind yourself to um, block out time for fun, uh, for your friends, for your family, even time for yourself. Um, I see it all the time. Um, and it kind of it makes me wonder about things for my kids. You know, I've got a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old, and... My number one job for them is, I suppose, is to 
as well as my clients help them maybe learn some skills, personal skills that will help them navigate what is an increasingly kind of um, perhaps uncertain world. Sure. And like, the, like, like meditating, you know, there's a, a return on investment in having the fun in that it actually can kind of relax you and clear your head and you can be more productive on the other side of it then, you know. So I think that's certainly a good Maybe a good way to end because I've had a lot of fun talking to you for for the last hour or so. Can I tell you a very short story. Yeah, yeah. So just in line with the fun thing, and I, I'm sorry to cut across, but just is um, you know, I, I I send out a weekly email every Monday, and um, some people maybe this this might have read it, but um, last week um, my 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 family uh, buried my grand aunt. Her name was Cassie, and. Uh, she was only a few months shy of her 100th birthday and I, I wrote a little story in the email which I'd love to just share because I think it's it just signifies the whole fun thing and she definitely has had maybe in a sideways effect over the years meeting people like Cassie and spending time with her less than I would have liked um, reminds me of the fun so like she's as I said lived to 99 a few months shy of her 100th birthday she was somebody who you met her on the street. She just always had a sparkle in her eye. She was always up for the crack. And that never dissipated with her age. And this is the kind of person who had so much energy for life that she would, she, at one point she was, she was giving um, uh, meals, you know, this meals on wheels thing. Yeah. She was delivering meals to people in old folks' homes that she was, <laughs> she was older than. I asked her one day, what's your secret to, you know, a long life and healthy and happy and everything else. And she just said, ah, I'm not into all that stuff you're into around the mind and exercise yeah. and vitamin chain. I'm not into any of that. She says, but I have my own little secret. She says, you know, I, I, I spend time at the end of the day thinking about the fun that I've had and the lovely people that I've met. But my secret weapon is that every night before I go to bed, I have a little glass of whiskey. <laughs> it's a good way to end it. I'm not saying that... Uh, I don't drink whiskey every day or that everybody else should, but at the same time, what it does signify is kind of an attitude uh, that every day is important and uh, it's worth celebrating. It's a nice story. Uh, I like I like the fact that she was going to the, the homes and, and uh, feeding those the younger than her as well. So fair, fair play to her. It's, it's all about keeping active, I suppose, as well. So just to wrap it up, so how can people get in touch? What's the best way to, to reach out, to, to check out uh, some of the, the content that you've put out there already? Thanks, Rob. The, the website is probably easiest, shanecraddock.com with one D, C-R-A-D-O-C-K. Um, and on that, like if they opt into the mailing list, they get a lot of stuff, I suppose, for free immediately, as with the videos and some PDFs and things like that. There's loads of blogs on the website as well. There's, and there's also videos and different audios. There's, there's loads there. The whole common theme is around helping people to have a better life um, and you know through that you know or a better, better mind better business better life is my tagline and that kind of sums up really what i'm doing so um people can get a lot of stuff for free on the website i tell i'm not somebody who hard sells uh there's content there that works but um people can look at it themselves and, and see what they like brilliant yeah i've been looking at myself over the last uh, week or so as i was researching so picked up some nice little tips there as well i will uh I'll get that out. I'll get all that in the show notes, Shane. Uh, look, thanks so much. I know it's a it's an evening time, and I know you want to get home and have some fun with the kids, so I don't want to be uh, blocking that any longer. Thanks so much for your time, Shane, and uh, we'll definitely, hopefully, stay in touch. Thanks, Rob. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, just before you go, so number one, the newsletter. I'd love if you signed up. I have over a 1,000 sign-ups. You'll get a note 
just before an episode is released every week. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. It's on the site. Click on the homepage and you can sign up from there. Number two, the podcast is growing. Listeners are going up and up. And I'd like to continue to do so. So would you be interested in supporting what I do? No obligations, but I've set up a Patreon page, which uh, is something a lot of podcasters are doing and other artists, I say loosely, and you can support it by donating per an episode or, or just in general. That would help me improve marketing, improve everything I guess I'm doing and try and maybe even get to the point where I can get a guest or two on and pay them for their time. So that would be great. If you think there's some value in listening to the show, maybe you'd like to, instead of buying that seventh cup of coffee during the week, you could donate the two or three euros to the show. Totally up to yourself. If you've got richer by the 1% better podcast, maybe you could donate and help it grow. And how do you do so? You just go to the support page on the website, click on support, you'll see the Patreon image, click there, and it's pretty straightforward after that. Okay, that's that. What is your story? What are you getting from the show, if anything? Send me a note, email me about that. I would love to read out your story, be it anonymous or whatever, if you want your name read out, and uh, that'll hopefully help others get something from it as well so that's really the the value the show is bringing you can get in touch through email it's at rob at rob of the green twitter facebook instagram at rob of the green i'm on linkedin under my own rob o'donoghue name persistence is key with this in the last few weeks i have increased numbers and that's just through marketing through pushing things a little bit more i'm going to keep doing that and get it out there more people are hearing it i'm gone over two minutes i know that if you have any ideas for guests that you'd like me to interview i'm all ears get in touch and finally thank you so much for listening and telling people about it and liking it and sharing it it's so nice to get a an email from somebody i don't know and they tell me that they've got something from the show makes it all worthwhile i'm going to keep doing it i'm enjoying it and i'm going to say good luck thank you bye